0: Please take your Bibles open to 1 Peter chapter 5. As I mentioned last week, today we are going to have a sermon on the office of elder. Next week, our brother Daryl is going to be bringing the message on the office of deacon. As we seek to nominate elders and deacons within the month of August, it's important that we see and hear from the Word of God what does the Scriptures actually teach us about. These offices. This is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. If you would please stand in honor of the reading of God's holy word. Listen carefully to the scriptures. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Pray with me, please. Father, this is your word. Because you are the supreme author of this word, it is true. It is accurate. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is exactly what you intended your people to know about you and about your church. And specifically today, about leadership within your church. And God, we ask your blessings now upon the reading and the preaching of the word of God. Fill me, Lord, with your spirit. May you increase, may I decrease, may the truth of your word be proclaimed today. Lord, equip us with proper knowledge of your word so that we can properly nominate, so that we can properly understand what it means to be an elder and what it doesn't mean to be an elder. Teach us this day through your word. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. Please be seated. Did you know that throughout the entire Bible, the title of shepherd is used to describe God. Did you know that? Even in Jeremiah 31, the Bible describes God as the shepherd who watches over his flock. In Psalm 78, the Lord is pictured as a shepherd who led his people out of Egypt. He even guided them in the desert. We all know Psalm 23, say it with me, the Lord is my shepherd. A few moments ago, Blair stood right here at this pulpit and he read our call to worship from John chapter 10. And right after Jesus said, I am the door, he said another I am. Do you remember what it was? I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. Right here in this text in 1 Peter 5 verse 4, you see it calls Jesus the chief shepherd. And earlier in this book, a couple chapters earlier, Peter says that Jesus is the shepherd and the bishop of his soul, of the souls of all the church. And in these passages, beloved, the Lord wants to make it clear. God is the supreme caregiver. God is the supreme lover of our souls. Yes, he is our shepherd. But what is interesting today, and honestly it's somewhat startling, is that the title of shepherd that's given to God? It's also given to elders as well. Look at it, verses 1 through the beginning of 2. It says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. What does it say? Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Shepherd the flock. Of God. Remember who's writing this book? This is Peter. And this whole idea of shepherding, it's something that close that's close to Peter's heart. How do we know that? Do you remember after the resurrection, before Jesus' ascension, it was Jesus who sat down with Peter and asked him three three times, Do you love me? Right? And three times, what did Jesus say? He said, Peter, feed my lambs. Tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Shepherding was something that was very close to the heart of Peter because his Lord Jesus, the chief shepherd, had said, Peter, you need to do the job of shepherding. And today, beloved, just as Jesus told Peter, Peter now speaks to us, his church. And as he's riding under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's talking directly to elders. And when he talks to elders, here's what he says, shepherd the flock of God. Today, beloved, we are going to focus upon the office of elder. We are going to focus on what it means to shepherd the flock of God. And as we do this, I want you to see three things from this text. The first thing I want you to see is the imperative, the imperative of shepherding. Secondly, Paul's going to teach us, or excuse me, Peter, Peter's going to teach us what I call the do's and the don'ts of shepherding. And then finally, he's going to wrap up with the future of shepherds. So look at this with me today. First of all, the imperative of shepherding, the do's and don'ts of shepherding, and the future of shepherds. But let's zoom in again, the beginning of verse two. Let's look at the imperative. Here's what it says. Verse 2, it says, to the elders, it says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. You know, here at Redeemer, there's a term we use with all of our elders. They're called under shepherds. You know, when you join Church of the Redeemer, one of the things you as a member get here At Redeemer is you get a ruling elder to be your under-shepherd. That is someone who's designated to your family who wants to look specifically after you and the interest of your family, and we call them under-shepherds. Why do we do that? Well, a moment ago, remember from verse 4 of this text, it says that Jesus is the chief shepherd. And as the chief shepherd and as king and head of his church, Jesus has called elders to serve as under shepherds under his rule and his reign within the authority of the church. And he tells those elders this. He tells them, shepherd the flock of God. Do the work of a shepherd. You see, the Bible teaches us that Jesus rules and reigns his church through his word and his spirit, but he uses men to do that work. And in this text, he teaches us that those men are called elders. And since the flock or the church, since it belongs to God, it's God's word who teaches the elders how to shepherd the flock. So as we zoom in now, let's look at the imperative. The imperative to all elders is this, shepherd the flock of God. But how do they do that? What does that look like? You know, as we zoom in and look at the scriptures the totality of scriptures i believe from scripture we can see at least three ways that elders are to live out that imperative of shepherding the flock of god here's the first one elders will feed their flock how do you shepherd you feed your flock you know think about every true shepherd that have real sheep within their flock what do they have to do they have to make sure their sheep are well fed don't they You have to make sure they're in grassy areas, that there's plenty of hay, that there's plenty of plants to eat, that there's plenty of water to drink because the sheep are not going to grow unless they're fed. They're not going to survive unless they have water. In the same way, elders in the church, we serve as under-shepherds by feeding the church the flock of God by teaching and preaching the Word of God. We heard Blair read a moment ago from 1 Timothy that list of qualifications of elder. And one of the qualifications was they need to to be able to teach. Paul writes it this way to Titus. He says, elders should exhort sound doctrine. What this means, beloved, is that elders should not only be able to faithfully proclaim the Word of God, but they should be actively doing it within their families and even within the church itself. And I'll tell you right now that this lesson about feeding the flock with elders this is one of the many reasons that I am so thankful for the elders here at Redeemer. If we look at our elders they are busy within the lives of our small groups all over the county teaching the word of God. Just this morning as we had DNL start up we had elders in this church teaching and proclaiming the word of God. Next Sunday, our assistant pastor, Daryl, is going to stand at this pulpit and he's going to preach the word of God. In a couple weeks, Lad Lesh, who is a ruling elder at this church, will preach the word from 1 John and he will proclaim the word of God. And I tell you that because I am so thankful for these men. I am grateful that they are diligent about feeding the flock. Because teaching and preaching is spiritual food. It's how we are to grow in grace. Look, every living thing needs to eat. If you want to grow, you got to eat. And if you want to grow as a Christian within the church, you have to be fed. And one of the functions of an elder is to make sure that his flock is fed and he wants to feed them nourishing, healthy meals so they will. Grow properly. He doesn't want to feed them junk food, the garbage that's out there. Because we know that's bad for the body and it's bad for us spiritually. You know, I've talked to many people over the past 17, 18 years that I've been in ministry about being fed spiritually. And I've found that people get frustrated with one of two things. You ready? They're either frustrated that their elders don't teach them anything, their pastors don't do a good job of teaching, or they're frustrated that the teaching is so high, it's so lofty, that they can't grasp it. Let me talk to that last one. Talk to that last one for just a moment. A wise pastor once told me this. He said, Adam, it doesn't matter how much hay you have in your loft unless you can get that hay down and feed the sheep you're not being a good shepherd. So go and feed your sheep. One of the functions of teaching within the church is that an elder can have the ability to take a doctrine that might be high, that might be lofty, and instead of speaking over people, they bring it down to people's level so they can understand it and have a bite that's just the right size. It's not too big, it's not too small. But a good shepherd gets the hay down out of the loft and feeds his sheep. Yes, first, good shepherding involves feeding the flock. But just as it involves feeding the flock, it also involves protecting the flock. Again, think about the shepherds being out in the field. They know wolves are out there. They know that their flock is going to be attacked From the outside. It might be morning, it might be midday, it might be night. So what do they do? They stay awake, they stay alert, they constantly guard their flocks. And from time to time, not only do they have to guard their flocks, but they got to drive out the wolves. If there is a wolf out there, they've got to go. And in the same way, beloved, elders serving as under-shepherds do the work of protecting the church by looking out for false doctrine and driving it out if it shows its ugly face. Here's the way Paul said it to the elders in Ephesus in Acts 20. Here's what he says. He says to the elders, be on your guard. You yourselves know that savage wolves will come among you. So be on alert. What this means is that elders... Have to have certain qualities. They have to be discerning, wise, and watchful. They've got to be bold and they've got to be strong. They not only have to know and believe their doctrine, but they have to be willing, as Jude says, to contend for the faith. You see, on one side, there's feeding, there's exhorting, there's the giving of information, the teaching aspect that goes on. But on the other side, there is protecting, there is guarding, and there is getting rid of things that shouldn't be there. That's the function of an elder. This is the biblical view of being an under-shepherd. Peter did it. You remember in the the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, Peter had to rebuke Simon in Acts chapter 8. And when he did, he protected the flock. Paul did it. Acts 13, there was a man named Bar-Jesus. He was a magician. He opposed the things of God. Paul protected the flock of God when he opposed Bar-Jesus. Even Jesus did it to Peter when he said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. He knew that there wasn't good teaching coming out of his mouth. He had to protect the flock, beloved Satan, is constantly sending out wolves. And as elders, we should be on alert. We should be mindful and watchful what's going on in our flock. If there's a wolf out there, it needs to be identified, it needs to be dealt with. That's what an elder does. He protects the flock, he feeds, he protects. But thirdly, he leads and loves. And yes, I know that's two verbs, and I put them in one point. But he leads and loves. Let's break that down for just a minute. The Bible teaches us that every good shepherd must give direction and guidance. Why? Because sheep need to be led. In Titus, God's. Says to the elders, he says, Elders, you're God's stewards. That, of course, means a house manager. So, what the Bible is saying is that elders have the responsibility of leading and guiding those who are part of the household of God, the church, his flock. The Bible calls the elders overseers. That's the word that's used in the Bible. So elders are to oversee and lead the affairs of the congregation. But let's stop for just a second and take a step back because I want you to know that it would be absolutely impractical. And more importantly, it would be completely unbiblical for an elder to lead his congregation if he did not love that congregation. Elders must not only lead, they must love their congregation. Back in December, when Church of the Redeemer, when you took a vote to call me as senior pastor, I spent several days reading different devotions from different pastors, and I pulled up this one devotion about being an elder, about being a pastor. And as I read the devotion, the devotion said three things. It said, an elder must love three things, and here they are. An elder must first love God with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind. An elder must love God's Word and be committed to studying it day in and day out. But you know what number three was? The elder must love the church. He must love the people in the church. He can't lead without loving And I thought to myself, that's exactly right. And now I have to tell you who wrote the devotion because you know him. You know who it was? I didn't even know it when I read it. It It's Dr. Mike Milton. I'm sitting here reading, love God, love his word, love his church from the man who was shepherding you at that very moment. And I learned that lesson right then and there, that the pastor's heart has to be with his people. And as the elder loves his church, he will care for his flock as a faithful under-shepherd, and he will invest in his flock. And here's some things that that, that will look like. He will visit the sick. He will instruct, instruct the ignorant. He will strengthen the weak comfort the mourner, nourish and guard the children of the church. He will pray with the people. He will pray for the people. And most importantly, he will seek the fruit of the preached word within the lives of people in his church. That's what an elder does. That's how an elder loves his congregation. Beloved, this is the way Jesus, the chief shepherd, loved his disciples while here on this earth. Jesus told Peter, go shepherd the flock, tend my sheep. Peter now tells the elders, go shepherd the flock of God. It's an imperative. And the way you do that is to feed, you protect, you lead, and you love. That's what it means to shepherd the flock. But now as we go to the second point the do's and the don'ts of shepherding you got to watch this Paul or excuse me Peter goes deeper he's getting ready to go into the heart the heart attitude of a shepherd elder look at it with me as he teaches us the do's and the don'ts of shepherding look back at verse verses 2 and 3 here's what it says shepherd the flock of god that is among you exercising oversight not under compulsion but willingly as god would have you not for shameful gain but eagerly not domineering those in your charge but being examples to the flock. Beloved, this is the do's and the don'ts of shepherding. And you see in this text that Peter has listed three do's and three, don't, three don'ts, three positives and three negatives. Let's break them down one at a time. Now, here's how he does it he talks about the don'ts, then he talks about the do's. Well, he goes, actually, he goes, don't do, don't do, don't do. Let's look at them one at a time. The first don't, not under compulsion first do, but willingly. You ever seen that movie, The Christmas Story, when Ralphie gets his Red Rider BB gun? You've seen that? Come on now. You've seen that, right? Come on. TBS, TNT, play it 24 hours a day on Christmas Eve and, and Christmas, right? Ralphie wants his Red Rider BB gun. You'll shoot your eye out. You'll shoot your eye out. Well, in that movie, Ralphie has a couple friends. One of them is named Schwartz. And in that movie, there's a bully, Scott Farkas. You remember him? Scott Farkas. Red hair, yellow teeth. He's the bully. And I don't know if you remember this scene, but there's a scene where Scott Farkas gets Schwartz, Ralphie's buddy, and he takes his arm and he puts it behind his back, and he twists his arm. And what does he make Schwartz say? Uncle, uncle. And as he twists his arm more and more, Schwartz starts screaming it. Uncle, uncle, uncle. And we look at that scene, and we ask this question. Did Schwartz want to say uncle? No. No. But was he forced to say uncle under compulsion? Yeah. Very painful compor- compulsion, right? He didn't want to do it, and I guarantee you Schwartz was quite fearful when it happened. But he screamed uncle, but he only did it because somebody twisted his arm. He did it under compulsion. Beloved, this text teaches us the first don't. Don't be an elder because it's something you do out of compulsion. If someone views spiritual care as an unwanted obligation, that person should never be an elder because the heart that serves grudgingly is simply unable to care for God's people. Rather, the Bible says that God's Holy Spirit will equip that man with a heart of love towards his congregation, a heart of motivation, a gifting, and as this text says, a willingness to serve, a willingness to do it. God will give his under-shepherds the passion and care for people. Now, let me step off and say this. There's a mistake that many people make when it comes even in nominating elders, and that's this. They say that just because a man is successful in business or a man has general leadership skills, he should be an elder. And oftentimes those men are elders for that reason. But I want you to know that's far from biblical truth because elders in that group tend to think that being an elder is, simply means i got to go to a meeting, I've got I to make a vote, but I never have to be engaged with my congregation. And then over time they learn that that's not what an elder means, that you have to actually engage with people and love the church. So then they start serving under compulsion. They don't really want to do that. They just want to show up at a meeting and, and make a vote, but that's not what being an elder is. That's part of it, but that's not what being an elder is and their arm is twisted, and they serve under compulsion. And as you can see, that is not a very good fit in the church. Leadership in business and leadership in the church are two completely different things. John Zins once said it this way, it's better to have no elders than the wrong elders. And if someone has to twist your arm behind your back, To care for people. If someone has to twist your arm to have a willingness, then don't be an elder. If God hasn't put that on your heart, don't be an elder. And and again, God is calling not every man to be an elder. And that's perfectly okay. But this text teaches us to examine it under the teaching of Scripture. And let me say this one more time. I've been here five months And one of my biggest joys over these past five months is to see that elders here at Redeemer, they do it because they're willing. They do it because they not only want to lead you, but they love you. They want to get in your life and be involved with you. And I want you to know that they are a blessing to every one of us And I have learned so much from them just by watching them shepherd the flock, and I praise God for them. But now as we enter the time of nomination, as we think about others who might be called to be an elder, consider this, beloved, that they're to do it not under compulsion but willingly. Secondly, the second don't is found in verse 2. The Bible says, don't do it for shameful gain but do it eagerly. You know, as a football coach and basketball coach, I've coached for about 16 years. One of the hardest types of players to coach is the kid who's selfish, the kid who just wants to be about him. He just wants to score the touchdown for his stats. He just wants to make the shot for his stats. He just cares about himself. And unfortunately, I've had several of these over the years. Now, oftentimes, and what's frustrating for a coach, is that that kid's very gifted. He's a great football player. He's a great basketball player, but he's all about himself. You know what happens on a team with that kind of attitude? What does it do? It brings the whole team down. It doesn't just bring him down. It brings everybody on the team down with him. Such it is with an elder Who's in it for greed? If an elder uses his position to advance his own cause, it will do harm, not just to him, but the whole church. Paul warns Timothy of this. He says, Timothy, don't be engaged in the love of money. That is a vice that has gripped so many men over the years. Timothy, what you need to do is ask this question. Where do you find your satisfaction? Is it in the greed of wanting money, or is it in the eagerness to serve? Because for the elder, there has to be this excitement, this eagerness, this want to. I'm talking about the heart, folks. This is a want to to go serve within his church. Because this is not a position of glory or fame. This is a position of service. Jesus said, Count the cost. Take up your cross. Elders are going to have to deal with a lot of stuff, a lot of bad stuff, a lot of stuff that people don't even know about. If you're in it for you, it's not going to work. You've got to have a heart of eagerness to serve the Lord. Number three, Peter says this Don't do it to be domineering over those in your charge but do it to be an example to the flock. Domineering. You remember James chapter 2? James talks about a group of rich people who had very high status politically and in the judicial system. And these people chose to use their wealth, their political status, and their judicial status to exploit the poor. It was terrible. They used the blessings that God had given them to dominate these people over here. Maybe you've seen it somewhere in your life, maybe at work with a boss that you've had or someone who's in leadership. The Bible addresses this issue within the heart of an elder. It says that elders should never use personality, position, or title to abuse their flock. They should never use what God has given them to abuse the church. Don't do that. But what should you do? The Bible says it. Be an example to the flock. Now this will preach. Be an example to the flock. A wise pastor once said it this way when it comes to influencing other people. Example is not just the main thing. It's the only thing. Think about that. Alexander Strock said it this way, the greatest way to inspire and influence people for God is through personal example. It's character, it's deeds. It's not position and title that influences people because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the power to influence. Let me tell you another story. A few years ago, my daughter Macy, I think she was about five or six years old, came into the backyard. I was playing basketball with Brock, I think. And Macy comes out, little five-year-old, and says, Daddy, can we play? I said, sure, Macy, let's play. I said, what do you want to play? She said, Daddy, let's play Follow the Leader. I said, great, let's do it. She said, Daddy, you be the leader, okay? I said, all right, let's do it. And we started playing Follow the Leader, and I was walking through the grass, and I looked behind me, and I noticed something. Macy wasn't just following me. She was mimicking me. If I waved my arms, guess what she did? She waved her arms. If I started jumping, which I'm not going to do, she started jumping. If I started running, she started running. And you know what I learned? This game is a game of example. It's a game of mimicking. It's a game of imitating. And I had the power of influence over her. I know it was a silly children's game, but you see the point. It's the power of influence. I was her example. She was following me. Beloved, the Bible says that elders are leaders within this church, and the flock is going to follow. And we need to set good examples to our flock. Our flock will not go any further than their leaders. A learner will not pass the person that he follows normally, especially when he has a bad example. And as elders, we are called to be examples to the flock. The apostle Paul told Timothy, don't look down, let no one look down on your youth, but set a what? An example. Set an example in speech, life, love, faith, and purity. You're to be an example to the flock. I don't care that you're young. Go be an example. God's called you to be an elder. Go be an example. The power of influence Elders, we are not to dominate those in our charge because of our gifts. We're to be examples of humility and grace and love and mercy to a flock who's watching and will mimic their leaders. Remember the do's and don'ts, not under compulsion but willingly, not for shameful gain but eagerly, not domineering but being examples. Which brings us to our final point, the future of shepherds. Look at verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Do you see that? Under shepherds, it says, keep your eyes on the chief shepherd. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. We are doing a heavenly work. It's ordained by our chief shepherd, Jesus. And the word of God says that one day, that chief shepherd, he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to look, for faithfulness on this earth, specifically from his under-shepherds. And when he does come back, look at this phrase. He is going to bring unfading crowns of glory. Did you hear that? Unfading crowns of glory. Jesus is going to bring with him. For his under shepherds. Think about this. He who wore the crown of thorns on his head, who suffered and was humiliated, he's gonna bring crowns of glory, unfading crowns of glory, for the faithfulness he will find on this earth. What does that teach us? Elders, keep your eye on Jesus. Keep your eye on the chief shepherd who we all report to, because he's coming back. And he wants to look for faithfulness in our lives. Are we doing all those things that he's called us to do? Will there be faithfulness on the earth when he comes back? So, beloved, as we close, understand the calling that God gives to elders. He says we're under shepherds and we are to shepherd the flock of God. Shepherd the church that Jesus bought with His own blood. I want to leave you with this quote. This quote from Alexander Strach it says it this way. It's a little bit long. Biblical eldership is dependent on men. Who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Men who have presented themselves as slaves to the Lord Jesus Christ. Men who love Jesus above all else. Men who willingly sacrifice for the sake of others. Men who seek to love as Christ loved. Men who are self-disciplined, self-sacrificing, and men who have taken up the cross and are willing to follow Christ. So this month, as you prayerfully consider to nominate elders, I encourage you, look for men who will feed the flock, protect the flock, and lead and love the flock. Look for men who don't serve under compulsion. You don't have to twist their arm, but they serve willingly. Look for men who don't serve for shameful gain, but eagerly. Look for men who aren't dominating those with their gifts and talents, but are setting an example to the flock. For one day, the chief shepherd's coming back, and he'll bring unfading crowns of glory to his under shepherds. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, and Holy Spirit, as elders, even I as an elder here today, read a text like this, and Lord, it is a humbling text. It is a text that brings me to my knees because, Lord, we see the the calling that you have put upon the lives of elders and father we specifically pray today that you indeed would continue to raise up godly elders within our church and god as we seek to to pray and nominate may we do so in accordance with thy holy word not what the world says is a good leader but what you say is a good leader give us wisdom father and again i thank you so much for our elders here Continue to grow us all in the grace and knowledge of Christ. It's in your name we pray. Amen.